0: 987 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Weekly Blast. So, Kevin Durant and the Nets are not getting divorced, but they're not exactly renewing their vows either. To the contrary, it's pretty clear that Durant has agreed on two things and two things only, to play basketball and to play nice. So what does that mean to the Phoenix Suns? Well, it gives the Suns time to re-pursue Durant at a later date, after January 15th, and at that time, maybe DeAndre Ayton looks a whole lot better to a potential trade partner. But there is also the danger of wonky team chemistry if a handful of key Suns players believe they are just placeholders. If they believe that Devin Booker and Chris Paul would rather play with that dude in Brooklyn if they believe they are not part of the future in Phoenix. There is also the reality that the Suns chemistry has already been broken. That it must be reimagined and rebuilt in the coming months into something different. Either way the age of youthful innocence is over in Phoenix and that isn't necessarily a bad time. Now personally, there was a time when I thought the offseason had become Durant or bust, but then D.A. came back with an offer sheet and a smile on his face. Mikhail Bridges saying karaoke with the masses at the Vine and Tempe and the more the Durant drama lingered, the more I preferred the homegrown approach. The more I valued the other side of hard and I still believe the growth potential of the Suns is enough to get it done without kevin durant but check back with me after the return of luca on opening night all right today's bickley blast brought to you by my great friends at chapman bmw who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience find them online at chapman i want to
1: say it's weird to process um, I remember the first time I heard this stuff was when I was in the locker room with my little brother Puff at North Carolina. Some of my old teammates are in there, some of their teammates. I'm like, come on, guy. Like, whoever's on TV, I'm like, come on, man. Don't even throw my name out there. Just let me just, like, chill with my little brother for a sec. And the next thing you know, like, I'm tied up in all these trade rumors. So it's the business, like I said. And if something happens, something happens. But uh, it's... You step outside yourself you kind of see the the entertainment value of it you
2: know you get outside the fact that like you know moving cities is probably annoying
1: or this that or the other you know just random regular human life stuff but you know it's the nba is the is an entertaining league and right now you know it's been an entertaining offseason every grab your popcorn. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> could be nothing. Could be a lot of things. That's Cam Johnson back on uh, July 30th at a three-on-three tournament he put on on hearing his name and trade rumors, which were still very hot and heavy at that point. That was one month after Kevin Durant had requested the trade from Brooklyn. Yesterday it came to an end, maybe a, a temporary end, but uh, the pursuit stops right now. Um, and Cam Johnson said something that you hope is the attitude. It's just part of the business. You hope the attitude of the Phoenix Suns, who are coming back and reconvening to try this thing again, at least to begin the season, have that attitude. Okay, Kevin Durant was out there. He said he wanted to come here. Makes perfect sense for you guys to kick the tires and try to make something work. And maybe and it's semantics. I know Gamble mm-hmm. put out there that the Suns never officially offered Mikel Bridges. But yeah, that's Mikkel semantics. Bridges has to know, Cam Johnson has to know pretty much every. Everybody not named Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton exactly have to know that they were talked about.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if the Suns were seriously pursuing Kevin Durant, and clearly they were, these names got mentioned. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about that. And, and, and I also get that the Suns really now have to kind of clean this up a little bit because you know they've got to play basketball and coexist together. Um, then there's also the uh, the the Cam Johnson. Contract issue. Mm-hmm. He's going into the last year of his contract.
2: He didn't get the year early. Mikael no. Bridges and, deal.
0: And and again, if you if you wanted to trade Cam Johnson, I don't know whether that helps or hurts because he's technically an expiring contract, but he's an up and coming player. So you so a team wouldn't trade him just so they could expunge a contract from them. So I, I'm curious where that's going to fit in all of this going forward. Uh, on the uh, the chemistry thing, the thing I'm
2: curious about is how much was it. Chris Paul and/or Devin Booker pushing for the Kevin Durant trade, and do the other players on the team know that they have? Because that 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 part of the chemistry. Because it's one thing about you know James Jones wanting to make a move, but if your point guard. Was the guy that wanted to get you out of there to bring in someone better? Right. That's right. going to be hard to maybe
0: go back to. It, listen, it, it's all it, it. gets right back to the the code among players: Do you have my back or not? When Chris Paul came out and said, "We're going to get Da the bag," and then that never happened, do you think Da at some point in time and said to himself, "Man, I thought that guy was going to help me"? You know, it, th- this is the way this stuff plays out, and and there's no doubt about it that that these guys understand. They've heard that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant have grown close they've worked out together um it, 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 but again they they've also have to they have to balance that with this is Kevin Durant they're talking about it's not like you're being you know offered up in a trade for Matthew Dellavedova <laughs> How's that for a name from left field, Della Vedova? Della Vedova, yeah, him too. I think but that
1: proves the point, doesn't back, it?
0: He's back in the league, I think. Is I think really? I
1: read that a couple months ago.
0: <laughs> so, it, so to me, I do think the chemistry thing is interesting. I do think it's there's going to be an effect, but again, it's not like the chemistry's in a great place right now, anyway. So it's got it has to be rebuilt. Time heals all wounds, it big. Does, it, well, it, you know, it's a stupid proverb, but it's very true. It's very, very true. Now, has there been enough time <laughs> to no, heal those? No, probably not. And again, if if Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson believe that Kevin Durant might still be in play, it's going to affect the way everybody feels about everything. It, because because and, and that's why the Suns, I think, have have a, have a decision, a base decision to make, and that is, do we pull out of these Kevin Durant talks for good? Do we or or do we just stay out of it and just monitor and and if this thing and if it goes bad in Brooklyn and if the planets align, he's ours.
1: Yeah. If it goes good in Brooklyn, do we drop the the use of the word temporary and in, in, in all of this and talking about right. the solution? Right. There was a note, uh, a little item that when the Nets put out that statement from their official account, the graphic they used not only had a Nets logo on it. It had the boardroom logo on it, which is a venture owned by Kevin Durant. Do you, oh, yeah. do you read I anything noticed into that? that? Yeah.
0: No, I noticed that, and it didn't dawn on me that that is his logo. That's right. That might be a way to pacify Kevin Durant, yeah? It, it seems to me, though, that it, to go where Kevin Durant went – it either is a very tenuous truce, or Kevin Durant really had a, a Steve Sean. I'm sorry, man. I. I don't know. I was having I a bad day. <laughs> I was having a bad day. Somebody having... got under my skin on Twitter, I and got I took triggered. it out on you. i got
1: triggered. I don't want you guys to get fired.
0: <laughs> Bring it in. Right. Yeah, and and if you sell that enough, you, th- th- Steve Nash and Sean Marks are not stupid. They're like, okay, you know what? That's all I need. We're th- good.
1: Th- this doesn't solve everything for the Nets, either. Nick Friedle from ESPN uh, believes
3: that is the case. If Kevin is bought in then everybody else will be bought in, you would figure. And Kyrie is now in a contract year, so if he wants that next big deal, he has got to be bought into uh, what's going on there day-to-day. And Ben Simmons has so many different people uh, to prove wrong because so many different people around the league think, oh, well, Simmons, uh, he just may not be the same player that he used to be, and he didn't want to be out there, and he's coming off back surgery and the mental health issues that he was dealing with. So this team has... plenty of reasons to come together and to play well but freddie there are just way too many questions for a group that has championship aspirations
1: yeah i think the net situation will be better to start than it was obviously we'll probably see their quote-unquote big three on the floor together like we didn't see last year but it, it, nick Friedell's right i mean there's still so much opportunity for drama there yeah. And for all the people that said, well, Kevin Durant wants to go to a place with no drama,
0: again, it follows him wherever <laughs> well, he goes, but he's going back to ground zero of drama. And and I guess this also means in the short term that Kyrie Irving is not going to be a Laker. Yeah. True. Unless, yeah. Well, unless, who knows? Unless. Oh, unless Durant says, "All right, I'll come right, back." I'll come kid. back in one small yeah. little
1: condition. I want him gone. All right, get him out of the boardroom. me Russell Westbrook. <laughs> oh man, oh, yeah, yeah. There's no drama right? there. Yeah. yeah. Text right. jersey to six twenty six twenty for your chance to win the brand new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jersey celebrating the 30th anniversary of the ninety two ninety three Suns team. That's jersey to six twenty six twenty. Coming up next, last year we saw the Los Angeles Rams go all in. It paid off. They won a Super Bowl. How all in are the Arizona Cardinals going into 2022? We'll get into that next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata mornings.
2: A party trophy for Los Angeles. 23-20 is the final on their home field. At SoFi Stadium in Super Bowl 56, the Los
3: Angeles Rams are world champions.
1: That was the final callback in February. Rams won the uh, championship over the Cincinnati Bengals, and they kind of capped off a year where it was well known with what they did personnel-wise, and, you know, the... Uh, Eschewing, if you will, of of Mm -hmm. draft picks They were all in to win it And it paid off, they Mm won Um, So, you asked yourself the question How all in are the Arizona Cardinals going into 2022? Danny Heifetz and Riley McAtee from The Ringer Put together uh, a piece Ranking how all in each NFL team is in 2022 Uh, They have a statistical method to it that considers how much cash is the team spending, the average annual cost of all of its player contracts, uh, value of draft picks, all of that stuff. Uh, In this ranking, they have the Cardinals coming in at number 12 overall. In the all-in right. all index. 23rd in spending. Draft rank is 7th. Um, but this this is an interesting first sentence to their synopsis on the Cardinal situation, Bick. Cardinals situation, Vic. Cardinals' team building strategy reeks of desperation. They continue by saying they traded their first-round pick in this year's draft to Baltimore for Marquise Brown, which was a strange decision considering the Eagles played, paid only slightly more for a far superior receiver in A.J. Brown. While Kyler Murray is young, Arizona also made the strange decision to surround him with old guys. They were tied for the fourth oldest offense by snap-adjusted age last year and still chose to re-sign 34-year-old receiver
0: A.J. Green and 31-year-old tight end Zach Ertz thoughts on that um yeah listen the the A.J. Brown Hollywood Brown thing is is well documented that mm-hmm. there is you can't argue that the Cardinals might have taken a swing at a much better player but again that doesn't count towards the connectivity with Kyler Murray and it doesn't it, take into account how much more money A.J. Brown would have cost this team in an off season when they're clearly not exactly opening up the coffers to, to buy players and all that so so to me that move in and of itself actually makes sense to me but I do agree with the general synopsis that the Cardinals do have an air of desperation about them and I think they've had this for the past three years and I think they've had this because they've drafted so poorly Mm -hmm. for the span of four years that they are constantly in this scramble mode to find the right combination of free agents to fill holes and the desperation also extends to drafting guys and having such holes to fill that you're anointing rookies as starters. That's desperate. All of that is desperate. That's the very definition of desperation.
1: Can I add an asterisk to what I believe their desperation is? I believe it's only offensive desperation. Here we are on August 24th, still talking about holes that need to be filled on the Mm -hmm. defense. Yeah. A team with... Obviously, they made a deal. They have picks that they can deal for for talent to fill holes, should they. They have salary cap space available to work with at this point of the preseason. Um, So... You know, I can agree with what the Ringer wrote about the desperation on the offensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Now, do I think that I'm on record. I said I think A.J. Green is going to have a resurgent year. I like Zach Ertz. I like what he brought to the passing game last year after he came over from Philadelphia. But they have not operated with the same level of urgency on the defensive side of the ball in terms of their spending.
0: And and it's right there for you. I I don't know if they're still 32nd. I would assume they are. Uh, And that's really, really kind of odd when on the other side of the ball, you've got what people are touting as a Super Bowl caliber offense once DeAndre Hopkins returns. I'm having a hard time making any sense of it at all. You've got a guy in Marcus Golden who, if he's holding in, it would seem to me he's got a very realistic, honest request. Meaning you've paid me five million bucks for two years, two and a half million per, and I gave you eleven sacks last year, mm-hmm. and and you're so counting on that again that you let Chandler Jones walk away. Why, why aren't they giving him a little kiss and just saying, "You're right. Here you go. Here's a million bucks free. I've, here's two million bucks. Here's a million bucks," and, and I'm sure I, that toe would get magically better. <laughs> There's a million it's like
1: bucks. DJ Humphrey's stomach
0: issue right, clear. Right, exactly.
1: Here's but, a million dollars
2: and a million in incentive bonuses. But they're not even doing it. that.
0: Yeah. And, and that, that to me, it's like, what are you waiting on? Are you just assuming that Marcus Golden will play? Are you, the timetable to pay guys, how long it took Kyler Murray, the fact that, you know, this, I keep bringing up this new team playing, Paul Calvisi tweeted out a picture of it, calls it, what do you call it, Cardinals one Air Force? I don't know. I didn't even see it. Yeah, but but again, this was a this was a probably between fifteen and twenty million dollars they just spent on that airplane, and uh, plus Kyler Murray's contract. I, I, you don't know if there's cash cash flow issues. I, what I don't know what the deal is here. But I've said this before. It's it, it it makes me a little nervous because this is a little too close to the Cardinals of the Dark Ages, where they would go into seasons fifteen million dollars under the salary cap. They they would never bring in players, and then to manipulate the cap and the numbers to make it look like they weren't being cheap, they'd extend guys down the road with the with the salary cap money they had, which would do nothing for the team in the current. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what they're waiting for.
2: The cornerback thing is bizarre to me, because not only did they not address it that much in the offseason to begin with, but the guy they got to address it... Gladney had a tragedy. Okay. Then they didn't do anything to follow that up. Because maybe, you know, Marco Wilson's going to step up and he's going to be that starter. Well... Marco Wilson already lost his starting job, yeah. so yeah. they've already they're already
1: like two players down from an already thin position, and they haven't done anything to address it. Now, in all fairness, it takes two teams to trade. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're trying to to initiate something, and they're having trouble at this point before the final roster cut down finding a partner to trade with. That, I mean, that's entirely. Possible. But they didn't do anything in free agency, either. right? They and, did not.
0: And the truth of the matter is, is even though. The organization will, and or org, all organizations will, uh, claim that they've unearthed jewels from other teams. Garbage—they're dumpster diving at this point. That's the phrase Tim Ring used yesterday. He's right on the money about that. They're dumpster diving, hoping to find a piece of trash that works. And and the, look, look at the wide receivers you're facing in Week One. We just—I forgot about Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be rough. Yeah, and and the, the no pass rush and a depleted secondary that is a recipe for disaster.
1: I'm not willing to go as far as say no pass rush just yet. Okay. Um I am more confident in that than I am at, uh, uh, with
3: the corner. Uh, at yeah, this point.
0: Yeah, and listen, I'll I'll be honest with you. I like the way Victor Dimukeji's looked, but again, he's going up against second and third teamers. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, we'll
1: talk some Suns and NBA with our very own Kellen Olson. That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios. Still lots of reaction to the uh, news with the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant staying put at least to begin the season. What does it mean for the Suns? Here to help us break it down from ArizonaSports.com and Empire of the Suns, Kellen Olson, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Kellen, How are you? It's doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, We've kind of tossed around the word temporary, and maybe this is a temporary solution for Kevin Durant in Brooklyn, Uh, just considering all the possibilities. Uh, Are you of that belief, or do you think that this thing is ironed out and he's in for the long haul?
3: (sighs) Yeah, I I can't really buy into anything other than temporary right now. Uh, I I was really surprised, to be honest, not only just because of how public this entire thing was, but how long it it, it sort of lasted and and how much it seemed like Kevin Durant tried a couple of different things. I I mean, like on a scale of 1 to 10, he probably went to about a 6 or 7, and he could have really extended it into that 9 and 10 range of not showing up to training camp, and and that was something that we were kind of exploring as a possibility here in the last couple of weeks the longer this dragged on, but he, he, he didn't go there. I mean, the interesting thing wrapped up in all this, of course, is that Brooklyn's got a pretty darn good basketball team over there. If mm-hmm. if everything goes relatively well, but I don't know how you can possibly expect that after everything that they went through this offseason with, like, is Kyrie staying? Is he going? And then the same thing here with Durant and then the whole question of Ben Simmons. But if all three of those guys play and they play relatively well, you only need a an okay, decent cast around those three to, to not only make the Playoffs would so make some noise there, but we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how things wind out over the course of the regular season, and then, of course, if, like you said, this is just a temporary thing until I, I don't know they, they get better offers in the year for Kevin Durant. I'm not really quite sure what has to change for them to for, for Kevin Durant personally for for him to stay there.
0: Yeah, do you think, Kellen, if the Suns are committed to wanting Kevin Durant, that their chances of getting him just improved? Because it seemed like, according to all reporting and. Speculation that the Suns did not have the pieces to make Brooklyn happy and now that nobody else seemingly can and they've decided to kind of call a truce on it does it buy the Suns time to make this deal later?
3: Uh, I think there's a chance for sure the, the whole misconception with DeAndre and his involvement from, from everything that I understood and just the reporting that was out there, the reason that Brooklyn didn't want DeAndre was not, not because of DeAndre specifically but just because of the team signing and trading for DeAndre was going to be hard capped and, and that was something that for any team trying to sign and trade for him this offseason was really going to um, tie their hands up for the rest of the offseason and some teams were in positions where that made sense and they were going to be okay and it, it didn't sound like Brooklyn was one of them. So so J- Anywhere he rolls around, DeAndre plays relatively well. Is that something where they can expect? Uh, if we get the kind of season we expect from DeAndre, I should say, rather, is Brooklyn going to be interested in DeAndre if they are, or are the Suns in a position where they're interested in Kevin Durant? I think that's the more interesting kind of outlook here is if January rolls around or are the Suns in a position where they need to make a big trade. I think it's certainly a lot easier to suggest if the Suns are kind of middling relative to the ex- what we expect out of them. But if they're thriving and they're number one in the West, like we all kind of expect them to be, then... Should did they trade for Kevin Durant? I'm not really so sure. And that's where this all gets a lot more complicated because you're trading for a guy midseason. Now you all of a sudden have two, three months to get this guy incorporated, completely change the identity of your team before the playoffs in your first crack of the championship. And what we were all talking about with acquiring Kevin Durant uh, now as opposed to then is that this first year is probably your best shot at it. Well, now is it your best shot because you've only got three months to adjust. It's a lot of different and, and difficult decisions now as opposed to acquiring him now.
1: Out. Kellen Olsen our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line he's got a, a piece on the Kevin Durant pursuit and how it failed for the Suns and how they shouldn't be uh, content with continuity after that you can check it out at arizonasports.com um you know if, if the season starts Kellen and this Suns team looks like it does right now from what you know about this team collectively about the players individually uh, and now considering that most of them were were maybe fearing of being traded at some point this this season how big of a task is it to get that chemistry back uh to where it was when this team was humming in the regular season
3: yeah i think dan's column on the site did a really great job of kind of touching over how important chemistry is to this team and how important the vibes are to this team and how it really is a huge asset for them and really arguably is is their biggest strength just in terms of how well they get along and, and just how well they sort of come together in, in really trying moments. Of course, they weren't able to do it in the postseason, but during the regular season, I think it's easy to forget after how the postseason went just how relentless this team was in the regular season and just how many really trying and like testing moments they had where they came together and, and those vibes were such a big deal. So that's a question not only with Mikel and, and Cam Johnson and, and Jay Crowder, but a guy like DeAndre Ayton as well, where you, you can kind of uh, use semantics, I guess, to, to talk Talk about Mikel Cam, but I don't think you can use semantics at all to bring up DeAndre and how questionable his future was with the Suns. I think that's kind of undoubtedly the case. So I just wonder how much that is going to change things around the locker room, if at all, because if it does just a bit, it's going to affect this team. I don't think it will, though, because the Suns, luckily for them, have Bonnie Williams in charge, who is the perfect guy to sort of orchestrate this and make sure everyone is right within where they need to be and also just their role on the team as well.
0: Yeah, and, and I think the other thing is too is an acknowledgement that the co- chemistry has already been damaged based on what we saw at the last few weeks of the season. So it's going to have to be rebuilt anyways and, and they can just, you know, rebuild it 2.0 if you will. Alright, w- when you look at this basketball team, let's let's dis- let's assume now that Kevin Durant is off the table and the Suns realize that, you know what, maybe maybe it's best that we just table this for a complete season. We know they've added Damian Lee, we know Dario Sharich is back, we know that JaVale McGee he is gone, what what do they need to add and where do they find it?
3: Yeah, Dan, I've been joining your guys' show, it feels like, for, for 18 months now and talking about another ball handler, which, which is crazy that it's been, it's been that long, but it really has been. <laughs> right. Just go back to January uh, really of, of this year, but also uh, last year where we were kind of mm-hmm. talking about this and just kind of looking at how they could really add some more options offensively, and I think specifically this postseason was troubling for me guys because the blueprint is out for how to play against these guys. That's something we talked about a lot during the Dallas series. When Dallas started crashing the offensive glass and trapping Devin Booker and picking up Chris Paul full court we're like, here it is. This is what they're going to see every single postseason now with this core and and they're going to continue to see it and to me it's how do you solve that issue with with moves and and to me the most obvious thing is is bringing in another ball handler, bringing in someone who's really going to be effective playing alongside Devin Booker or Chris Paul, I'm not saying in the starting lineup for anything but looking for another backup point guard because I I don't know how you can look at the way the campaign and Landry Schammett played last season, no offense to them and, and, and bet on them this year and right now the Suns are positioned to bet on both of those guys, Dan Evans, because they're the only other ball handlers on the team besides Chris and Devin, and that's kind of a crazy thing to say right now, considering what we looked at happened last postseason, and the postseason before that with Chris's health as well, and just how you want to take less off of him, and you think of a situation where Devin gets hurt in the first round like he did last year, Chris had to do so much that it clearly wore on him a little bit earlier than he probably wanted it to, and then it really affected him in that Dallas series, I think so that's where you got to look there. And, and if that's not something that is possible, uh, I think upgrading the four spots we've talked about for a while. I just think that they need another source of offense really within, within this team. And Hey, maybe that can be DeAndre maybe Mikel bridges or Cam Johnson really steps up. I don't think it's fair to expect that out of Jay Crowder, which is why I mentioned a trade more than anything else. But I think it's pretty clear somewhere in the top six, seven of, of this team, they need another source of offense. And that kind of contradicts their style of play a little bit, to be honest, in the point five with the way money Williams wants to play, but at the same time, they've been eliminated now twice from the postseason in, in fairly similar ways, in my opinion, and I think they've got to address it.
1: Kellen Olsen, our guest here on uh, Bickley and murata Mornings. Before we let you go, you mentioned Jay Crowder. He's been cri- cryptic on a couple of occasions on social media, doesn't <laughs> seem very happy for whatever reason right now. Uh, you th- w- w- what are the possibilities of Jay Crowder getting moved? I imagine there's a market for a guy with his skill set and, and, and his compete level and an expiring deal. So, w- What do you think of the chances of that are, Kellen?
3: Yeah, when, when you look at what I just kind of talked about and, and how they could upgrade the roster, expiring contracts are going to be the way to go typically, and, and that's Jay, that's Dario Saric, I believe that's Torrey Cregan campaign as well, campaign has a partial guarantee or either I believe it's a fully non-guaranteed deal for him in his third year and he's going to be in the second year of his deal, so those are the types of contracts you could pile together to go grab a name, but Jay is, is a really interesting guy to bring up because the way in which this this team is sort of constructed, Jay is perfect for it because you don't really need to run plays for him and he holds together one of the best defenses in the league and I, I have always said it every year that his contribution to this defense is really underrated and how he's helped Mikel Bridges get better. Mikel cited him like the guy who just uh, came up second in defensive player of the year said Jay was like critical to helping me kind of figure out how to be a better overall defender not only on the ball but off the ball. Obviously DeAndre, a, a defender like him it's Speaks to how important Jay has been for him, just in terms of communication, just in terms of leadership. And then offensively, I just always think that he's been an underrated guy. I thought he was excellent in the Dallas series. He was excellent in the finals. But they do need a little bit more of, of that scoring, and I think that's where you look at a guy like Jay as well. We're looking at contract extensions going around. Why shouldn't he want a contract extension, right? That's yeah. something that he can kind of talk about in the last year of his deal, and he should want one. And, and look, there's no reason why the Suns shouldn't want him back longer just given the sort of contribution they've gotten from him in the last few years. But just everything that I've been talking about for the last couple of minutes kind of leads you to think otherwise and think that they might look to go somewhere else and then look if they agree to a contract extension with Cam Johnson then making an extension for Jay Crowder doesn't make a lot of sense. So there are reasons for him to be unhappy and, and, and that's all obviously not, not a good sign, right guys? Because you want to keep everyone happy as, as much as possible and they've already got a couple of guys we talked about, DeAndre, McKellen, and Cam, and you hate to add Jay to that mix for sure.
1: Kellen, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Kellen Olson, you can check out his stuff in written form on Air ArizonaSports.com, also the podcast, the Empire of the Suns podcast with Kevin Zimmerman. Also on the website, he joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we know who a lot of the participants will be for the next great Diamondbacks teams, but who will be the guy leading them in the dugout? Some questions on that straight ahead. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: 987 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata
1: Mornings. Yep, Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Ok Chin Community Studios. Diamondbacks continuing their road trip in Kansas City. They got a win over the Royals, a vomit-filled win over the Royals yeah. yesterday. Putting the hurl and hurler, <laughs> as
0: Ruthless said
1: earlier today. Yeah, Jonathan Heasley, correct? That was his name? Yeah. Or Heavesley in this Oh. Case. oh. oh.
0: Is this thing on?
1: Puke. (laughs) Um, There was a piece uh, Bob Nightingale wrote uh, a couple weeks back about, uh, it was right after the Texas Rangers fired their manager, Chris Woodward, and he looked at who might be next, who's got a perilous future as manager of his respective baseball team, and Torrey Lavello's name showed up. And one of the nuggets that Bob Nightingale shared was that Uh, The front office of the Diamondbacks, according to his report... Recommended a contract extension for Tori Lavello. Yeah, and ownership chose to hold off. Wow,
0: <laughs> that's very interesting. That was the detail out of the Bob Nightingale part that that shocked me because when I first read that he might be the next one to go, I thought, "What? What's he talking about?" Tori Lavello. The baseball team has already matched their win total from a year ago. All we're talking about is this bright future and these developing young players. How in this? How in the world would a uh, a respected national beat writer as good as Bob Nightingale write that oh because the front office recommended he get a contract extension and the ownership said no that to me I don't know what to make of that to be honest with you Vinny because this is a baseball team and a manager that that lost 110 games last year Mm -hmm. and a baseball manager that's basically been dealing in a pseudo tank for quite some time yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I'm mean, not stating that as a fact. That's my opinion, and, and that, others share that opinion. Yeah, that that they're really, I mean, I, what, what do you expect? What do you expect this this compilation of talent to have achieved the last few years? So, so to me, you would think that a corner would be turned, and yet if if he's if he's going into another lame duck situation, you gotta you gotta wonder what the heck this is all about. And that's, that's the odd thing here, too. It really is, because I, I've wrestled with this. I, I look at the Diamondbacks... And I look at Derek Hall, whom I think is very, very good at his job. I look at Mike Hazen, who is very, very good at his job. I look at Torrey Lovello, and I believe he's very good at his job as well. I I don't look at Torrey in the context of managers the way I look at Mike Hazen in the context of GMs or Derek Hall in terms of team presidents. And I say to myself, "This this is a living, breathing example of sticking with the right people through the vagaries of athletic competition, through the valleys and the peaks and all that kind of stuff. And and the teams that do that well do that really well. The Pittsburgh Steelers are one of them. So, it, it, but the managerial piece yeah. has for the for the longest time now it's it just seems to have always be in the crosshairs. Well, and you're wondering
1: if this is indeed true. What the reason for the trepidation could be from from ownership and Ken Kendrick and, and that group. Um, and the first thing that comes to mind. Well, it's going to be a, a team full of young players. How will Tory Lovello work with those players? He's working. With young He's players right, with now. right now, <laughs> and they're doing pretty darn good. Yeah. The young players that are being called on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why the Diamondbacks are not competing for a wild card spot right now is because of the veteran players that have not lived up to potential. And I'm talking about you know Mark Melanson and Madison
0: Bumgarner among them. The um the one thing that's been repeated. Uh, Throughout, occasionally throughout the last few years, is the lack of fire the ball club shows? Remember Luis Gonzalez's criticism earlier. Yeah, you wonder you wonder exactly how much of that Ken Kendrick feels. Well, since
1: those comments got out on the broadcast, Mm -hmm. have you noticed the difference with the way the Diamondbacks play? I don't. I don't really see a team that doesn't play hard or isn't enjoying itself. I mean the way they play doesn't strike me that way at all. They play the way they play baseball right now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of small ball. It's bunting mm-hmm. you know, runners over. It's using utilizing speed. It's
0: you know speed in the outfield. They they look like a team and, that's that, that's giving it a, it's all. And if you've been paying attention to Major League Baseball, speed is making a comeback. Stolen bases are on the return in Major League Baseball. The data, the the analytics on it, they're way up. Uh, so I think t- as teams are trying to kind of. Um, <clears throat> Find their way through the forest of it all. Modern day baseball, I think. I think that might be making a comeback. So, I, but but I don't know. You, you just don't know. I, 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 you don't know what the owner feels here, and and that's that to me it, it is the element that is probably the least trustworthy out of them all. Because there have been there have been plans that have never been seen to fruition. There have been teams that have. Recklessly gone for it, believing they were a lot closer than they actually were. That There's has been, not worked out well historically. Well, no, for them. no, they've they've they've. Well, they, and the
2: inconsistency also <laughs> sort of has led to each. Manager of the last several having a shelf life because they have some successful seasons, they have some mediocre seasons, they have some bad seasons, and it's all kind of like jumbled up. There's no sustained success by any of the last several managers, and none of them last longer than like five or
1: six years. It's true. Uh, that's that's certainly been their history. Uh, speaking of ownership, did you see the other story in Major League Baseball? Artie Moreno uh-huh. putting the Los Angeles Angels up for sale. Yeah, and people are like, "Why now?" And his words were, "It's time." Yeah, he's going to get three billion dollars <laughs> for the team, probably. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: that's why it's time. Yeah, and and Artie Moreno, a guy who lives in Phoenix, lives in the Valley. Um, he's never been able to get that team over the top. There have been massive expenditures on guys, but there's never been the right plan, the, the right analytics. There's never been that. Well, it, it was
1: pointed out. I think Jeff Passon pointed it out. With all the massive expenditures, and you're right, they've spent money on a lot of players and currently on a lot of players. Mm-hmm. They've never gone over $183 million in payroll. Total team payroll. So, One hundred and seventy-five of that is on offense. Yeah, and they're paying, you know, uh, big money to a couple of players, but are they filling in the gaps elsewhere? That's probably been the the, the reason for the lackluster
0: performance over the last right. two decades. Well, if if you were going to sell this team, this would probably be a good time to do it because you've got the Shohei Otani piece. Well, yeah, but he's up for a contract. Well, that could but be, somebody else can pay him five hundred million dollars. Somebody else can pay him. You're going to sell the premium of having a guy that really exponentially increases the value of your television rights, and then the new guy can deal with the contract well, extension. I mean,
2: but that's the other thing it's like if you buy this team, that's uh-huh. something you have to deal with. Is yeah. paying a guy five hundred million dollars? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that just
1: sounds outlandish to say. I, I think he's But in the-, the very near future, there's going to be two five hundred million dollar players in baseball. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wow. billion dollars on two players. <laughs> yeah, I think Otani's
2: going to get the biggest contract in the history of sports more than, because Mahomes has it right now, right?
1: Yeah, 450 over the course of the contract. But yeah, th- he's going to be the first guy probably. Either him or Soto is going to be the first guy with a $500 million price tag.
2: He's at, he's he's not as good as Soto on offense, but he's almost as good as, as a hitter. And he's a top like 10 pitcher. Like yeah. if, you, if you if you were paying a top ten pitcher, let's say thirty million a year, and you're paying a top twenty hitter, you know twenty five million a year, mm-hmm. does that mean he's worth fifty five or sixty million dollars a year? Yeah, probably. Plus, you know the Japanese market. Well, you
0: capture the Asian market. I mean, think about that. Think it's it's the Yao Ming Houston Rockets thing. Mm-hmm. You know that.
2: Uh, that Rally Monkey team that won the championship was oh, tw- yeah. 20 years ago.
0: I know. You remember yeah. that team, don't you, Vinny? Darren Erstedt! Garrett Anderson! Troy Glass! I don't know anybody else! Tim, Tim, Salmon. <laughs> yeah, Tim, Tim Salmon. Salmon! Tim Salmon! Tim Shout
2: second, out the Greenway Demon! Tim, Tim Salmon, the second best fish-named <laughs> outfielder in Angels history. Yeah. <laughs> Right behind... I, uh, I think you've used that fact enough, Jerry. I know. I think Bobby Carp, <laughs> <it. laughs> <laughs> Jorge
0: God Fabregas. Codfish Hunter. Sal Fasano. <laughs> Benji Gill. <laughs> Benji Molina. are cheating. They had two Benjis. I am, oh, I am cheating. Oh, uh, Troy right. <laughs> Percival. Troy <laughs> Percival. Francisco Rodriguez. Ah, K-Rod.
1: That's right, of course. Oh, K-Rod was a huge K-ron. star in that team. Jared Washburn.
0: Sean <laughs> Wooten. <laughs> Chandler Wooten Chandler Wooten Woot Wooten <laughs> right. Woot there it is <laughs> Sprinkles <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's good More, That's more good. madness More shenanigans Social studies is next It's Pickley and Murata Mornings 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station